But I just want to share, share, share a couple of thoughts with you about having zeal for the house of God. Having zeal for the house of God. Let's make our declaration this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. And I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your grace in our lives. I thank you for your word that is the living bread of life. And as we receive communion today, Father, I thank you that we remember that Jesus, you're the living bread. And we are partakers of your life. And your life and your word is being produced in us. And we are being changed, transformed, and conformed into your image for your praise and your glory. In Jesus' name, and somebody said... Amen. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Psalm 69. I want to read these verses with you. And then I'm just going to walk through this quickly and uh, share these few thoughts with you. And really just about rekindling our passion and our zeal for God and for His house. Psalm 69 and verse 9 says this. It says, because zeal for your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. But David's saying, I have a zeal for the house of God. I want you to think about that. Let me, one thing that, that COVID has done, people have lost their zeal for the house of God. And we've settled for convenience over connection. Amen. We just did, I did 28 days of prayer online with people, and, and I did a little Facebook Live thing going through uh, some of the epistles there. And when you're online, when you're doing that live, you see little people's names pop up. And so I'm saying hi to them, but they can't talk to me. I said, oh, hi, I see you. Hi, my, hi, Karina. Hi, hi, Joe. Hi, hi, hey, hi. Good morning. God bless you. I love you. And it's a one-way conversation. And I'm the only person they can see. I can't see them. I don't get to see their face. So that, 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 that's a virtual, virtual, not a real, that's a virtual connection. And so what, what, what the enemy is doing today is he's telling them that virtual is the same as real. It's not real. It's virtual. Watch this. How many have heard of the metaverse? Metaverse? Anybody heard of that? All right. I won't even go there. Sam's heard of it. Amen. Eli, the young, some of the young people have heard about it. What it is, it's a virtual reality. And you make a little like emoji person of yourself, and you can go in there. We could have a metaverse church, but you have to, you have to go in and actually pay money for virtual property. You, you have to buy a virtual building. You've got to buy virtual chairs. You've got to buy a virtual sound. You've got to buy all this stuff virtually, and there's nothing there. You're paying money for air. Real money, not virtual money. Real money. And people are in there and they're viewing and doing that. So our, our world is being shaped by a technology that says you don't need connection with people and you live in this false reality. And so COVID has gotten us to a place where we moved away and found alternative. I love that we can do that. But the main reason we were live streaming for years before COVID hit is so that people are sick when somebody is on vacation, when they can't be here for one reason or not, but not as an alternative to not being here or to make it to think it is the same. God bless you. Hope you still keep tuning in. <laughs> Amen. So go with me also to Psalms 119. 
Psalms 119, and look at verse 139. It says, My zeal has consumed me because my enemies have forgotten your words. Zeal, passion for the things of God. Amen. Why is our nation where it is today? I'll tell you why. Because in 1964, we allowed one woman, we allowed one woman to stand up and take prayer out of our schools. One woman. And the church for years, oh, you know, I don't want to get involved in that stuff. Well, you don't have to get involved in it, but it's going to come get involved in your life. What you don't want to get involved in will end up being involved in your life. All the stuff of our culture and everything today, what's happening? It's being forced into your life. The things you didn't want to get involved in, speak about, be a part of, want to be nice with everybody. They're not being nice with you. They don't care about being nice with you. They care about enforcing their way and their lifestyle upon you. So you're going to have to take a stand sometime. So that's what happened this whole thing with COVID. We just said, hey, you know what? Everybody's growing up in adults. If, if you don't want to come, don't do it. Just make an adult decision for your own life. We're just going to keep doing what we do. Amen? Hallelujah. Go with me also to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. And beginning in verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way of the Lord before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord. But who can endure the day of his coming or who can stand when he appears? He is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's or fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and, they, and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Praise the Lord. So the Lord is coming to his house. Amen. Amen. And we think about it so many times. But let me just give you this. It's not really in your outline. We're going to go through this very quickly. But watch it. His house provides something that I can't have on my own. The house of God gathering like this provides something for that we cannot have on our own. I cannot have community by myself. I cannot have connection by myself, and I cannot have contribution by myself. I can't contribute to myself. What we're talking about is contributing. I'm excited. We're, we're moving into new sanctuary. This is going to be our youth hall and our children's program. This is children's church and youth hall. This is awesome. How many know we got room for some kids? Amen. We've got room for young people, for reaching young people, for making a difference in young lives, being available, expanding everything we do. And so contribution makes that happen where we can not only do that, but provide things for our community as well. So let's dive into this. Go walk through your outline with me. If there was ever a day and a time in our lives to have a passion for the things of God and for His house, it is today. We could very easily be living in the last of the last days. There's so much happening so fast that it's hard to keep up with. The best way to live in these days is with a fresh zeal for the house of God. Amen. A fresh zeal for the house of God. And I'm just going to say something here. I'll stick it in. And uh, I got a note here that I wrote to myself. Note to sell.
my personal experience of bringing my praise and my worship to God in the midst of his congregation is what's important about the house of God. The personal experience of bringing my praise with other believers, joining in, lifting our hearts in one place, in one accord with one voice. Amen? The presence we feel in our worship services like we have this morning and doing that. My my worship, bringing my tithes and my offering, nothing compares to that. You, you can't get that virtual. We love each and every one of you. So thankful we can come to you. But it's not the same as connection. It's not the same. But here's, we ha- here's what has to happen. I have to want connection more than convenience. Amen. That's why I say we've been saying it over and over. And one day it's going to get I said it last week. This is not convenient. It's a big, heavy book. It's not convenient. Us putting up on the screen is more convenient for you. You being able to carry it in your pocket on an app is more convenient to you. But what are you going to do when there's no convenience available? I'm going back and read my notes and not get in trouble. So watch it. I have to have a zeal for the house of God, a zeal for his work. And, and I, I told you before, when I write and I mark in here, every time I go back and I read my Bible, my paper Bible, I find God. I find God has talked to me. And I've talked to him and I've asked him questions and he's given me answers. Amen? Amen. So we have to have a zeal for the house of God, for the word of God, and for our Lord. See, Jesus had a passion and a zeal for the house of God, for his house. If we would follow his example, we would have the provision of God in our lives that we desire to see. All it takes is fresh passion and zeal for his house. Go with me to Matthew 21. And beginning in verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house, my house, my place where people come and worship in my name, my house, my place of assembly shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame. Then. Somebody say then. Then. So he cleanses it. And then he said, then the blind and the lame came in the temple. And he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the things that he did, seeing the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Four things happen right there that give us zeal for our life. It's there in your outline. Number one, we will have a zeal for purity. That in God's house, we will remove the things that are impure. The removal of all things that distract, deter, and diminish his presence in our midst as we gather together and then personally in our life. Not only is this the house of the Lord, but your life, you also are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul says you are bought with a pride. Your life is not your own. Therefore glorify God in your body. Amen? 
Because your body and your spirit belong to God. The second is zeal for prayer and renewed and open fellowship with the Father. So they, they began to pray. He purified it. Then they began to pray. A zeal for power. The open manifestation of his power in and through our life. And then to have a zeal for perfected praise. Truly giving God the glory that is due his name. How many could say amen? Look inside your outline. Let's walk through these in just a few moments here. See, this is more than just a moment of our time given as a gesture of religions, religious duty and piety. This is true renewal and restoration of our passion for God and a returning to our first love. The original condition of our love and relationship with God. I love when people give their lives to the Lord. They can start. They have passion for God. They're hungry for God. They're pressing in. It's kind of like dating. I remember, how many remember dating? Amen. Dating was when you met somebody and all you wanted to do was be with that person. You lost everybody else. You didn't care if you talked to your best friend, saw your best friend. Hey, you were, but kind of you've been replaced. Sorry, dude. Amen. I I have a new interest in my life. I'm in love. I'm infatuated. I'm enraptured. I'm caught up. And all I want to do is be with the one that I'm caught up in. Amen. That's what happened when you get saved. Well, I'm in love with the Lord. But then after a while, after you're around that person that you you were infatuated with, now you're just comfortable with. And now you're just casual with. And now you just take it for granted with. And after you catch them, you don't have to do what you did to get them. (laughs) But you should always be catching And going after the one that you love. You should always be romancing and pursuing, protecting, and being infatuated with the one you love. Amen. And that's the way we're supposed to be with the Lord. But sometimes, I've been a Christian 84 years. You're excited now, just wait, you'll be just like me. can't wait to get to his house today. (laughs) Hallelujah. What's your praise like? What's your praise like? I sure hope they sing something today that moves me. Those songs didn't do anything for me. The songs weren't for you. The songs we sing, let me just give you some instruction. The songs we sing are not for you. We're singing to the Lord and we're asking you to join us. Nothing is done in worship horizontal. All worship is vertical. And if you're getting nothing out of worship, that's because you're singing to people. (laughs) Worship is vertical. And you should come in to go vertical with other people going vertical. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So get back to that original relationship and love for God. That's the place where I worship God. See, when I'm hanging out with my wife, I don't care what anybody thinks about how I hang out with my wife or they think about me. When I'm hanging out with Jesus, I could care less. Why is pastor over there doing all this? Because I'm not even aware you're here. If you're just...
powerful. All right. Are we doing okay? A zeal for purity. People say, Pastor, how come you're always excited? Because I have somebody to be excited about. I'm excited about the. I never forget. I never forget that at 19, I was a heroin addict. I never forget that by the time I got to 25, my whole life was a complete and total failure. Everything I lived for, loved, and thought I would never lose, I lost. And I knelt down in a chair and I gave my life to Christ. And he gave his life to me. And since that day, God has never ceased to be the source of my life. And I live giving my life to him. And every time I give my life to him, he keeps giving his life to me. And I have his joy. I have his peace. I have his strength. I have his assurance. I have his confidence. And I live by the life of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. People say, where do you get your energy? I'm filled with the life and the energy of God Almighty. Amen. Uh, Zeal for purity. Anything left exposed to the elements of life will be affected and deterioration will take place. A man has learned over the years how to protect his belongings and himself from the element. We prepare for the season. Take the necessary steps and precautions to preserve our homes and our lives. How many know you can't get much heat from wet wood? If you're going to burn wood, keep it dry. Hallelujah. Every home has what's called a weather side. This is the side of your house that faces the direction from which storms normally come. It takes more care, needs more paint and repair more often. Even our lives have weather sides. Everybody is different, but we all face storms. Our personalities, our backgrounds, our viewpoints determine our storm sides. Some people, some people deal with stuff that you may never deal with. They have a different personality. Their, their, their house faces a different direction than their, their life. And they're set differently in life. But everybody has a weather side. Purity is not having everything perfect in your life. It's being willing to do the preventative maintenance to protect and preserve our lives from the exposure to the elements. What do I have to do to protect myself from the exposure to this world? Because the world's going to come against you. If not done regularly, it can take radical restoration to get things back to their original condition. PBS used to have that this old house. They still have a version on it. But they'd go in there and they'd do restorations and tear out all the stuff that the decay had done through exposure. Purity is doing what it takes to keep the things you treasure and have value in your life in their original condition. What did Jesus do? He went back and put God's house in its original condition. What would happen if we just had a zeal for purity again in the house of God? Amen. We didn't take things for granted. We just kept going after and romancing him. What about, secondly, is a zeal for prayer? Prayer is a, is a routine home inspection. Prayer is the Holy Ghost crawling through your attic. I know what you're doing. I know. I got you. This needs some help over here. Amen. Prayer always makes you aware of yourself before God. That's why it makes us uncomfortable. Prayer always reveals the storm damage in our lives and the results of being exposed to the elements unprotected. Prayer makes us aware of the need for provision, protection, and forgiveness 
in the areas of our life that have been exposed to the elements for too long. You're there in Matthew, turn over to chapter 6. We all know this and we could quote it, but I want us to read it this morning together. Matthew 6. Beginning in verse 9. Look what Jesus said. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Anybody have needs every day? Amen. Give us this day our daily bread at 2020 prices. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Every day you and I have opportunity to transgress against somebody. Say the wrong thing. Do the wrong thing. It's hard to get, get through a day and not have a mistake. So that means that when somebody makes a mistake against me, in order to have my debt forgiven, I have to be a forgiver of debts. Amen? That's what Jesus said. And do not lead us into temptation. How many are thankful God does not do that? But deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So don't hold on to anything. Let go and forgive. Amen? So prayer brings us to that point of understanding the need in our life. I don't want to be exposed to those elements too long because that's going to create damage on my life. See, if we get prayer right, then it opens a door for assistance we need to get the job done and bring things back to their original condition and in proper alignment with God's Word. Prayer is a price you have to pay to get it right. Such a good word. There's no discount to be had here. Right and heaven never go on sale. Amen. How many always search for something to get the best buy you can? Everything in God comes at full price. God never has, Kmart used to have a blue light special. You'd be in the store and they have a little cart there. Blue light special on aisle 13 right now. You can go to heaven for $19.95. Not quite. Amen. So watch this. Everything is full price. The call to prayer has always been the first restoration step to restoration and revival. Think about it. Jesus said his house was to be a house of prayer. Peter and John were on their way to the hour of prayer. Paul said to make every request with prayer and thanksgiving. Jesus spent as much or more time alone in prayer as he did ministering to people. We all know the call to prayer in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Turn there with me. If my people who are what? By my name shall what? Humble themselves and what? Then I will. And humble themselves and and, and humble themselves and repent from their wicked way. Then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. All right, let's read the rest of it. Because sometimes we become favorite word, favorite verse people instead of whole word people. Ooh, that's a good word. Look what it said. 
Verse 12, then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for my house as a house of sacrifice. So when God sets churches, when he does that, that's what he does. Because that's where God's people meet in that house. And then they present their lives as a living sacrifice to the Lord in community and commitment and connection and contribution. Amen. So watch it. As a house of sacrifice, when I shut up heaven and there is no rain, nor command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my if, so when all that is happening, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Verse 15, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David and walk according to all that I commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgment, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom as I covenanted with David your father, saying you shall not fail to have a man as ruler in Israel." So God says, hey, it's important how we love. So I have to have zeal for the house of God, for prayer, and for keeping things right before God. Amen? Hallelujah. What about zeal for power? Acts 1.8, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power. Luke 24.49, go tarry in Jerusalem till you are endued with power. Acts 4.23 through 33, and they all prayed that the power of God would come upon them. And the Holy Ghost fell, and they were all filled with boldness and spoke the word with boldness. Amen? Hallelujah. They're all filled with power, spoke the word with boldness. See, power and assistance will not show up on its own. Without a desire for purity and prayer, there will be no real power. Only a form of godliness and actually, that actually denies the power of God. Amen. I don't have time this morning, but if you read 2 Timothy chapter 3 there, Paul says, in the last days, these will be the signs of it. And there will be a form, one of them is there will be a form of godliness, but no power. You see, a zeal for God's power in our lives becomes a motivation to do what is needed and to pay the price to get it right. We cannot cut corners and expect the same result. There's no discount. Spiritual power comes at full price. You get what you pay for. Amen. Amen. When you see the end results, you know that it was worth the price. Hallelujah. There's no easy way out. This is the real build back better. I couldn't resist. I had to put that in there. Amen. God's building back his church. That's what he's always doing. And God's way is always better. Amen? His way is always better. Lastly, a zeal for perfected praise. The Father is worthy of more than just token appreciation. And Jesus is the King of glory. Perfected praise does not come without persecution, though, church. Listen to me. Many have grown comfortable. Not in this church. Come on, you guys are Holy Ghost Spirit fired up. You guys are awesome. Man, if we could just get everybody else to be like you, we'd change the world. Many have grown comfortable with the condition of their lives. They have applied a code of religion to their exposed areas and have painted over their decay and dry rot with piety and pride. And they resent anyone who exposes their facade. Those who have a heart and a desire for fresh zeal in their lives will not be discouraged, distracted, or imitated by the pressure or the persecution connected to the zeal of God. 
Jesus cleansed the house. The lame, the sick, the oppressed were coming into the house, getting healed. Children were praising him. And the religious crowd said, oh, we don't do that here. We're not into that here. Uh, we liked it the way we had it before you turned everything upside down and built it back the way it's supposed to be. Doing all right? What? When you paid the price, young people, listen to me this morning. What happens though, if God needs to, He raises up a generation in their youth. He uses the seed of rebellion in their hearts and directs it by His Spirit to produce a revival. I believe this with all my heart. When young people become hungry for truth and for their own experience with God, He uses them mightily. When young people become hungry for truth and to have their own experience with God, not your mother's, not your father's, not anybody else, but you want your experience with God, He uses young people mightily. There's a reason we started the Lord's Gym 16 years ago. Because the purpose of the Lord's Gym was try to reach young people, to reach them before you have to rescue them. And you can't always get them to walk through the doors of a church. But you can get them to come to a gym and play a game of basketball. And you can have an opportunity to speak into your life, to their lives. Amen? And so God uses that. And then God raises up that generation for greatness. Hallelujah. See, when you paid the price... And young people, let me just help you here. That God, you live in a generation with so many challenges against you. There are so many lies out there right now. Eli told me the other day, we have kids in in our... Our schools are kind of like psychological wards right now. And they're turning our people, our young people, into crazy people. We have, what was it with the, the ears and the tails and stuff? Huh? Furries. Huh? Furries. F- fair? Furries. 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 Now you can be a furry. And so young people, that their identity is they're identifying with animals. And they're putting on animal ears and tails and different things. And I'm, I'm, I'm not a boy. I'm a furry. And that. And it's not, listen, 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 church. That's not something to to laugh at. That's something that should scare the hell out of us. Because that's what they're condemned. Child abuse on unleveled proportions is happening in our schools. When you tell a three-year-old or a five-year-old you can be any sex you want, they don't even know what to choose for dinner. They don't even know what their taste buds are yet. And yet you're telling them they can change their identity. And now they're passing law to make it allowable where they made it okay for young girls to go have abortions and not tell their parents. They're making it okay for children to have sex change operations and not tell their parents. And that's what's being taught in our school. That's what our young people are rising up for. And sooner or later when our young people say, hey, this is a bunch of garbage. In the Greek, it's that. Well, I won't say that. But when young people get a hunger for truth, and say, what you're selling us is garbage. And you're trying to give me an identity that is not who I am. And they want to find out truth for themselves. And they turn to God and say, God, I want to know you. I want to know what truth is. Then God places his anointing upon that generation. And he raises up mighty warriors. And they bring a revival that we're too kosher to do anything about. Come on, Pastor. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So what does it take? If we will make our lives 
pay the price of purity in prayer. And you have seen and, and you have seen the power. When you've paid the price of purity in prayer and you've seen the power and provision of God in your life, perfected praise naturally flows out of you. Rick, if you just come back and play real quick. You see, if we have made our lives his house of purity, prayer, and power, and praise, we will be amazed at the response we see in the lives of those we are praying for to be saved, healed, and delivered. Isaiah 56 is a call to prayer. God said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. Here at our church, we have two times that we pray on a regular basis. Sunday mornings, we come to church at 9. There's a, people show up here at 9 o'clock. We walk through the sanctuary, and we're praying for these things here, for freedom of worship, for the Holy Spirit to have free course in our midst, and to be given His rightful place, for the anointing that breaks the yoke, for the Holy Spirit to draw people to the Father in salvations, baptisms, healings, restorations, deliverance. Believing that every service, somebody should be saved, healed, delivered, set free. Amen? And then for the Word of God to be preached with liberty and with power. Tonight on the first Sunday of the month, we'll be back here at 6.30 for prayer. We're going to pray for the needs of the church. We're going to pray for the community and government and nations. We're going to pray for special need, and we're going to end with praise. So once a month for an hour, we come on Sunday night, the first Sunday of the month, and we pray. So I encourage you to come join us for prayer. Because prayer is to be the foundation of all we do. If we get the foundation right, we'll see the full performance of God's word concerning us as declared in his covenant promise. The covenant you partook of today contains promises. My goal, I want to see everybody receive the fullness of that. Amen? Hallelujah. You see, prayer is the only way to be sure that God builds a house. And when you get prayer right, zeal for the house of God will always be fresh. Friday morning, God woke me up. And he gave me this word for somebody. Could be for more. But we spent the last few weeks talking about confession and about words that are sown into our lives. And this is what the Spirit of God told me when He woke me up. He said, words can become burdens and blockers in our lives that keep us from receiving the fullness of God's grace. Words spoken over you. Words spoken to you, about you. Some of you have had words spoken like that to you. Negative words, condemning words. Doubting words, confusing words. Those words become blockers and burdens that keep you from receiving the fullness of God's grace, His healing, His freedom, His forgiveness, His joy, and His peace. Sometimes words that others have spoken over us hinder us from being able to receive the fullness of God's forgiveness because we hear their voice more than God's voice in our lives. You see, when I'm carrying a burden and a load imposed upon my life by others, I give them power over my life that is not theirs to have. Jesus said, those who the Son sets free are free indeed. Would you stand with me this morning?
And I don't know who this is for. Like I said, it could be for more than one. And I just want you to bow your heads for a moment. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, your word declares that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So Father, right now, I come against this yoke of bondage, of words that's been spoken into people's lives. Some of them have heard words and they've been conditioned by them their whole lives. Even parents and ones close to them spoke words that they didn't realize and were damaging them, binding them, and creating burdens on them that have become blockers to them from receiving your full grace in their life. Father, I break that right now in the name of Jesus off of their lives. And declare that liberty over them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If that has happened to you in any way, I'm just going to illustrate that. Tony, come here, son. Just, just stand right there. Just stand right there. See, the enemy comes, and he starts giving you little things. Here, just take that. Okay. And then he, he just kind of moves up to other things. And just go here, you know, you probably could use something else. And just take that. Okay, here you could... Probably use that. Have some more. Okay, now you're free. Okay. Now, God comes and says, I have something I want to give you. But your life's been conditioned, and this is what your this is what the Lord this is what your life looks like. People have spoken things into your life, and you've just taken them. They spoke them, and you received them, and you took them. And now your life is closed off. And God says, "I'm trying to get freedom to your life, but Lord, I've been carrying this all my life. How do I let go of all this?" And because I don't want Him to break all this stuff, I won't let Him just throw it down. But God comes and tries to take them back, one at a time. Jesus comes to set you free. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Thank you, son. So there's some of you, you need to just let the Lord take that away from you. If that's you, if this word applies to you, it could be one, it could be 50. I don't know who it is. You could be young, you could be old. There could be things you've tried to pray through, but these things have been a barrier over your life. And the Lord said he was going to set you free right here today. And so I believe God has victory in this house for you today. If that's you, move right now to this altar. We're going to pray for you right now. Hallelujah. Don't be a carrier. Don't let words carry you like that, hold you like that. Just move right now. Move right now. People have said, you're this, you're that, you'll never be there. People find fault with you, criticize you. All those things, all those words that become burdens, things people impose upon your life. And when you carry those, you give them a power over, you give those people, those words, a power over your life. 
They were never meant to have. I'm winning because I know there's more. I know at least there's two more women need to move in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Somebody here fought their whole life for their father's acceptance and never felt like they could measure up. And you've carried that burden your whole life. God wants to set you free. You have one father in heaven. Heavenly fa earthly fathers, we make mistakes. I've had to repent so many times in my children. Mistakes I've made, ask for forgiveness. Because my oldest son, Sean, went through my divorce with his mom when he was two. At the age of eight, I had to ask my son to forgive me. Because I said, son, I made choices that affected your life. And I can't undo that, and I'm sorry. But I can make you this promise. I'll never make a choice again that'll hurt your life. And I can't undo it. All I can ask you to do is forgive me. And I had to ask for his forgiveness. Amen? Hallelujah. I need a couple ladies come stand behind Emma here. A couple praying ladies. Khadija, come stand right here. Amen. Hallelujah. Need a couple men to get behind each of these men. Come on, come stand with somebody. Because in church we have community and we have connection and we have contribution. We're community, we have connection, and we give contribution. We give. 